0: Hello, welcome to the video, my name is Mark. Sometimes investment concepts can be difficult to get our heads around. They can be difficult to to remember and have a frame of reference. So when we're we're faced with an investment decision, we have some way of forming a foundation or shaping that decision. I have found over my career that analogies work very well. There's something that we can relate to that just helps transfer a thought over. One of the things that I've used over the years has been sports analogies. It seems to be we all talk about sports. Now, whether you're a big sports fan or not, you're going to know sports analogies. And today we're going to be using that technique to help cement, hopefully in your mind, something that's very important. We're going to be using two sports analogies and we're going to start with what was known back in the day as Lynn Sanity, a young player named Jeremy Lin, came off the bench. Now, he was a bench player for the New York Knicks. He was averaging just over three points a game so far in that season. I don't know how many minutes he was getting, but not a lot. For circumstances, I can't even remember exactly what happened. He was thrust into the uh, point guard position, and he ended up, taking the Knicks on a seven game winning streak. And during that time period, he was hitting, you know, three pointers, step back three pointers. He was hitting buzzer beaters, making some amazing no look passes. He was, he's a small, exciting player. And this kind of took the sports world by storm. In fact, even it, you know, kind of expanded beyond the sports world and the news were covering it just because this is so unusual. And, you know, it was really exciting to watch. If you had been able, I'm going to just tie it to investing, if you had been able to invest in sports players back in the day, so you could say, let's say you're forming a portfolio of basketball players, I can guarantee you that the hot commodity of the day would have been Jeremy Lin. You know, kind of like today when you're building a portfolio, what are the hot commodities? Well, Bitcoin's a hot commodity, uh, a few, I guess a month or so ago, GameStop was a hot commodity. A lot of the high-flying, you know, ARC investments, the, the high-flying tech companies are hot commodities. There's a parallel between that and what's happen- what happened in the day with Jeremy Lin. By nature, we as humans are drawn towards the exciting thing. Whatever's happening that's sort of, the, I-, I would call it almost a shiny object. And so it would be natural that if you were forming or building that NBA portfolio, of players, Lynn would be uh, right at the very top of that, like we're seeing today. My question though is how smart is that? I'm going to argue that would be stupid. You take a player who is uh, very average at best, has a hot streak, now during that hot streak, what are the odds that that's going to continue? What are the odds that if you put, you know, go all in on this player or substantially take a, a chunk of your investing money and put it on that player, there's a large chance of failure. What about the por- the other the rest of the portfolio? What about if you know if you're building this NFL this NBA team back in the day? What about players like Dwayne Wade? Uh, what about players like Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant was playing back in the day? You'd have Kevin Durant, a whole bunch and many more, but a whole bunch of blue chip NBA players that you could rely on to put up points night after night. Uh, not to necessarily go on hot streaks, but be consistent and pay dividends in a, a metaphoric way constantly. Every game, every week, every month, every season with a very low likelihood that that production is all of a sudden going to stop. So the comparison to an investment portfolio is very similar. If, we're, if we switch from basketball to, to investing, you can't build a portfolio of the high flyers. You need to have the reliable the dependable. You need to have the companies that are going to put up points, or in this example, in this in this analogy, pay dividends, create returns, month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year. Companies like, you know, the Royal Bank of Canada, companies like, you know, Coca-Cola or Johnson & Johnson. These aren't as exciting as the player of the day, but man, if you're building a portfolio, this is important. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should never invest in these companies. And I know right now, I'm just gonna use Bitcoin as an example. It's gaining a lot of traction. Even a year ago, it was extremely speculative. I would still argue it's speculative, but it's becoming more mainstream and there's becoming more ways of investing in Bitcoin. I'm not saying you should absolutely take 0% of your money and put it into Bitcoin, just like I would say, hey, go ahead and buy shares of Jeremy Lin back in the day, but a small percentage of that portfolio that you're using to form that team. If you feel right now, I mean, heck, even if we go back to the GameStop, GameStop, uh, you know, debacle, I would call it. If you felt that you wanted to play in that arena and you wanted to take a very small sliver of your portfolio, understanding that you're, ta- you know, the risk that you're taking, I'm all for that. Whether you're a young person, and heck, I even worked with people who were in their, I would say, 70s, maybe even older, but certainly in their 70s, who had that little bit of a risk-taking part of their nature. And I advocated for that. The key is though, that's money set aside from what you're going to need to develop your financial security. Clearly, if you're already retired and you're relying on that money to provide you with an income, that percentage has to be very small. You can argue and you will argue and I'm sure I'll get some comments in this video saying, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm young, I've got many years ahead of me. Uh, You know, I can afford to, to take more risk and I can afford to lose money. In one sense, you're right. It's not like you're relying on that money to provide you with an income. But I would also argue, we all know that when you're building a portfolio, you start with a small amount and you add to that. And it's like that snowball you know, story where you have a small snowball and you, you roll it and it becomes bigger and bigger as it goes along or as it goes down the hill. A portfolio is very much like that. and. It's really important that you have that snowball to start, and you don't disintegrate it. If that snowball disappears and you're starting again with a new flake of snow, you're you know you're setting yourself back, and it's going to take you that you know much longer to get back even to where you were. So have that snowball, and if you're going to take a few flakes and play around the periphery, I'm all for that. Go for it. That's actually how you learn lessons. And you know I think back to when I started investing years and years ago. I was more geared towards taking that risk and and making sort of the quick hit. I learned very on, very early on that you cannot sustain that. I don't care how lucky you've been and you know th- there have been uh, a lot of investors that have entered the market in the last year or so. For a number of factors, uh predominantly because you know a lot of people were at home, uh, off work because of COVID last year, uh gaining uh interest and knowledge in the investment world and many people collecting some benefits that they didn't necessarily need. Maybe you were, you know, a 21-year-old living at home and you didn't pay rent and you had some extra cash and it became very fashionable, if you will, to start investing. And so you really haven't seen uh, anything, you know, resembling a crash. You've seen a couple of corrections along the way. It's very possible, and I read these in the comments all the time, that all you have is winners. And that is, uh, I guess, wonderful if you have the capability of understanding that that's not going to continue and you take some profits and and rebalance your portfolio from time to time. But for the most part, uh, you just should not be taking that high of a risk with the bulk of your portfolio. As an investor, you need stability, you need staying power, you need predictability. The core has to be the LeBron James's and the Tim Duncan's and the Dwayne Wade's. That's the core of the portfolio. Your core of your portfolio, now I don't care how old you are, has to be good solid companies that are, you know, companies like I mentioned, Coke and, and Johnson & Johnson and you know Walmart and these types of companies that you can rely on and play around the outside of that. Another example that comes to my mind is, uh, I guess, a year, a year and a half ago now, you'll probably remember this, the darling of the day, the shooting star was Luckin Coffee. Now, Luckin Coffee was a talk of the town and I believe it's a Chinese company that was you know, predicted to, to shoot up and the price did spike up quite dramatically and there were a lot of takers. A lot of people thought, oh, wow, this is going to be the best investment ever. Well, you know, it peaked out, I believe, around a year ago, so early 2020. Then you saw a bit of a decline in the company. Well, then, of course, you saw a crash, you saw a 75% drop in one day, not from the peak to the trough, in one day you saw a 75% drop because of an accounting scandal. And this was, or is an example of how even the the, the shining star, like I say, even the, the hot commodity, if you're not careful and if you back up the truck and take too big of a chunk of that, you will get hurt. Shifting to another sports analogy, which I think will resonate with Canadians, is a hockey analogy. In 1972, now I get it for most of you, you weren't around in 72, but you know, some of you watching this video will remember what was called the Summit Series. So this was a hockey tournament between Canada. You know, Canada's uh, a team that of our best players against the USSR, as it was called back in the day, the Soviet Union. This was, I mean, back in the day, there was this sort of cold war between the North, North America and, and um, Russia. And the Russians were this sort of mysterious, um, Type of, well, the, 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 um, the country in general, the hockey team was known for be, being very talented. I don't even think hitting was part of the game. If it was, it was more sort of like the old timers play here where you, you brush against each other. Whereas, of course, in Canada, our hockey f- style was very tough you know the tougher the team the more chance you had to make it you know through to the to win the Stanley Cup the expectation was that Canada would go in and just route these russians four games were played in north america four games were played in russia now i'm not going to get into the entire history of the series but we learned we canadians learned very early on that we uh, had our work cut out for us. In fact, the Russians came in, I think they probably won the first game. I can't remember exactly how the series went, but going into the last game of the series, it was an eight game series, oddly enough, going into the last game of the series, uh, the series was essentially tied because there weren't all wins and losses, there were ties. The winner of that game would win the series. I'm gonna introduce a player named Paul Henderson. Again, if you're 55 or older, you probably will know who Paul Henderson is. Probably only because he scored what it would be basically be considered to be the winning goal of that series. He had uh, he was a, a good player I mean he made the national team but he wasn't one of the superstars of the day. He came out of sort of that low level of that upper tier and he went on a I would say a three game streak where he scored goals that were uh, monumental that they were instrumental in the outcome of each game. I'm going to play a short clip here, and this is the clip of him scoring that goal back in 72, and, uh, well, you watch it, and then we'll talk about it after the clip. Over, the Afkins, and the Bernoulli has it on that wing. Here's a shot! Henderson made a wild stab. for spell. fell. Here's another shot right by the score Henderson has scored to Canada! Henderson right in front of the net! And the fans of the team are going wild! Henderson right in front of the soldier. 34 seconds left in the game. An absolute offscene over Paul Henderson as there should be. Now, this may be really difficult for the younger and the uh, younger viewers here to understand this, but literally I just watched that clip and I feel I feel chills down my spine. I remember that happening when I was ten years old and the the uh, eruption of Canada. The, the the Paul Henderson became a uh, a national hero almost during that time. Uh, if you, I mean, I've watched that a thousand times, and I still get excited when I when I see that. So you know, back to what we're talking about here. Actually, a quick aside: if you, if your father, if you have a father who's let's say fifty-five or older send him a link of this clip even if he's not an investor and just say dad don't worry about the whole thing send him a link time give him the timestamp so he can watch that clip and I assure you he'll have some stories to tell and you know if you've got a few minutes let him recall you know back in the day because that was a really exciting time for Canadians in general. The only thing that I can think of that compares to that from a national sentiment and you will probably be able to relate to this although it was a 10 11 years ago now at the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver in the gold medal hockey game when Sidney Crosby scored I guess what's called the golden goal and you know we'll if if you watch that game you'll remember that and you'll probably have for the rest of your lives if you're a hockey fan uh, that feeling that memory and so imagine having that double now for some of us who were around back in the 72 series so those are kind of I guess the difference between that is Paul Henderson was a, an average player who you know, had this amazing little pop, whereas Sidney Crosby, of course, has had a, a hallowed career. And so you'll remember him for other reasons in addition to just that. In this video, I've talked about uh, Jeremy Lin, I've talked about Sidney Crosby, I've talked about Paul Henderson, and I've talked about Bitcoin, and um, I have uh, Lucky and Coffee at GameStop earlier in the video. I've talked about companies that have had huge spikes today and we don't know where those are going to end up. When this happens again to you, this is sort of where everything ties together. If you can remember, just identify for most of the viewers, identify with Paul Henderson or identify with Jeremy Lin. These are players who were good. They were good at their craft, but they weren't elite level. A lot of companies out there are good, but they're not the elite level. They had a spike in their notoriety at the time in a positive sense, just like a lot of companies out there will have a spike in their notoriety. That doesn't mean that they are a good long-term investment. And if you jump off the ledge, if you take too big of a risk, uh, as I said earlier, this is going to come back to haunt you as an investor. Always keep in mind that you have to have the base first, and then you play with these types of companies around the edge of that. You never lose sight of your objective by the shiny objects that, that will inevitably come along. I mean, there's, history is riddled with these enticing. And of course, you know, we have this, you know, fear of missing out syndrome that you feel you're going to be the only one in the block. And especially if you're looking at comments on the YouTube videos. And I see these every day where, you know, disregard all the old wisdom and disregard the fundamentals of investing because you don't know what you're doing. You're going to be left behind and you will regret this. And this and these are emotional uh, emotional uh, catalysts that make us make decisions that aren't in our own best interest. Bottom line, you need a blueprint. You need to have a strategy that shows, here's what I'm gonna do as an investor. Here's who I'm gonna be at my core. And that might include taking some flyers. It should include a limit. What percentage of your assets or what dollar amount, but preferably a percentage of your assets that I'm willing to you know take that risk with, willing to lose. It's if that's part of your blueprint, no problem at all, go for it, but know who you are have the strategy in place. So when the next one comes along, now whether that's, you know, I know Air Canada is probably going to be very popular today because the government just announced the sort of the takeover deal there where they're going to bail them out and, and take a, an ownership interest. So I, I'm sure that the stock's going to be volatile in the, mean, in the near term. Don't just go out and buy shares because you read somewhere on a comment that this is the thing to do. Understand how to invest. It always comes back to the basics. Agree with me or disagree with me? I, you know, I got a thick skin and if you say to me, you don't know what you're talking about, you've lost it and this time is different, you know, we hear that from time to time, then uh, bring it on, I'm willing to hear that. If you are a younger investor in particular, I really love seeing the wisdom of the 20 year olds or the 25 year olds who have started investing and get it. They say, I'm going to put some of my money into you know the, the blue chip, the core investments, that's gonna be the engine of my portfolio, but you know what, I still wanna play. No problem with that at all, uh, leave those comments. I'd like to, I would like—I always love reading the comments from the younger investors who can share that wisdom. If you want to learn more about investing in general, we have a, a link, just the first link below is for our investing academy. And whether you're a, a brand new investor or never started, you're starting from zero and you wanna learn the basics or whether you're an experienced advisor, we we now have two levels of courses. So we have the beginner and we have the mastery course. For someone who is, uh, going along that continuum, or perhaps has more experience and just wants to further their knowledge, those are available and we also very shortly will have our private membership group for a monthly, a small monthly fee, you'll be able to uh, understand how, you know, the strategies that we use at the Investing Academy, follow exact trades, look at portfolios, that type of thing. So if that's something that interests you, please click on the link below and you'll be able to get more information on that. That will uh, wrap it up for this video. As always, I truly thank you for watching. Uh, it means a lot that you would you know, watch the videos in the first place and especially if you're still watching at this point, we really appreciate that support. You know, Just give it a quick thumbs up before you head off and we will see you in the next video.